Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. Hope you're all enjoying your lunch hour. Dave Kawada filling in for Kanoa It's Let's Talk Sports. Our phone number, 808-296-1420. Hey, we're going to get a lot of stuff to go through here. We've got the University of Hawaii men's basketball that opened their season yesterday against University of Hawaii Hilo, getting the victory there. The first look for the public of this new men's basketball team. Another thing we're going to talk about later in the show today, as we get into next week, as we kind of build into it, really from maybe this weekend and going into next week, there is, and you've heard it, you've read it, if you haven't, here it is. There is a multitude, multitude, uh, a smorgasbord, uh, any other word I can think of to say a lot of diverse stuff that's going to be happening over at the University of Hawaii over the next X amount of days, starting from Thursday really, where it is consecutive days, Thursday, Friday, all the way through into next Sunday, because not only is University of Hawaii having their stuff, uh, men's basketball playing again tomorrow night against Niagara, a game that was added in late, but it is a regular season game. Then you go into the weekend where there's women's basketball, women's volleyball, there's also women's basketball continuing through the week. And then we get into Monday, the week of Thanksgiving. <coughs> and you got the Maui Invitational Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Morning till the evening. First time on Oahu. Everyone's excited about that. Um, I just want to credit the staff at the University of Hawaii because it has been a really intense effort to get all of these things and all the logistics for doing such a tournament. It's not just turn the lights on, have two rims, and let the balls and go out there and go. You know, Maui Invitation is a very complex eight-team high-end tournament and a lot that goes with it. Throwing that starts Monday, and that's during school time. So there's a situation with parking that we're going to give you some general information about that. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Tuesday, Maui Invitational, morning till evening, and lo and behold, there's going to be a men's basketball game after that at 8.30 against Northern Arizona. And again, some parking situations there. Thanksgiving, a day of rest. Let's eat, fill up, because we're going to be waking up late after what just transpired and getting ready, because into next weekend, then you got women's basketball and the Rainbow Wahine Showdown. On Friday, you got the HHSA Open Football Championship at Clarence T.C. Ching Complex. And then the next day, doubleheader women's basketball in the earlier part of the day. And then the final University Wide football game, senior night against Colorado State in the evening at 6 p.m. And again, parking situations related to that. Then on Sunday, Wahine basketball concludes the weekend with the last day of their Rainbow Wahine showdown with two games starting from 2.30 and Hawaii playing at 5. So that is a litany, literally, from tomorrow night, uh, Thursday night, all the way until the Sunday after Thanksgiving. There is something happening at the Athletics Complex every night on many days, multiple things from dawn till dusk almost. So 
We're going to have Eric Matthews, the marketing director from the University of Hawaii Athletics Department, come on later in the show, kind of lay it all out in more detail, better than I did, and kind of give you some of the nit and gritty times, parking that we can best give you some information on so that you can kind of prepare whichever you event you may be thinking of going to. So hopefully that'll help you out. Also, has it, is, you know, Wyoming is the team as Hawaii football is on the road this Saturday to take them on. Hawaii coming off a two-game winning streak. And one of the things that has been really exciting, a lot of people have been talking about, is how well the defense has been playing the past two games. So, you know, I come in here and I think, okay, I'm going to fill in for Kanoa Leahy. And I want to get a little bit more about, you know, a little dive deeper into it, defense. Like, you know, what? We always talk about how hard it is to learn the run and shoot. It takes time. You got to be on the same page. Well, last time I filled in, um, we talked about that. You know, uh, you know, the time it takes to get the learning, the mechanisms, just on paper, on watching on film, then to execute all of that kind of stuff. There's that learning process and element to defense as well. And especially when you're dealing with a key injury in Logan Taylor going out, a key leader, a key player, leading tackler. You know, how do you overcome? How do you compensate? Next man up. And then yet, with a young group of guys, they took their lumps. And how is it that they were able to, you know, really build, learn, get on the same page, perform well on the road in Nevada, and then come up with a great performance at home this past Saturday against Air Force? So, former University of Hawaii player Keani Alapa, former linebacker, played in the early 2000s. He's defense. He's been watching these games. I'm going to dig deep with him about, you know, what is that learning curve? You know, like how long did it take him? How long does it take for defenses to gel? Because a lot of times you hear about, you know, and when you watch NFL preseason, even when you watch college football, the defense is supposedly ahead of the offense. It's a little bit, I don't want to say easier, but they can grasp things and execute a little bit better earlier than an offense will. So I don't know if, you know, sometimes defensive players, they might take offense to that, saying, you know what? It's not like it's easier so we can pick it up sooner. You know, it's still complex. And depending on your personnel, depending on your system and all that, then, you know, here comes Jacob Euro, defensive coordinator. He has come through with game planning, um, personnel, alignment assignments. So we'll talk with Keani Alapa about that. But to lead off the show today, Let's stick with some college football. Now, I am a fan, have been a fan of the Pac-12 conference, so it has really bummed me out that the Pac-12, 10 teams are leaving and going to different conferences. And we've talked about it. Other people have talked about it. It's a money grab and, you know, poo-poo on the Pac-12 conference for not solidifying a television contract early enough so that all these teams didn't just jump ship. So all of that has happened. It is what it is. Pac-12 will be what it is next year. But there was this case legally in which the remaining two schools, Oregon State and Washington State, had filed for a temporary restraining order against the Pac-12 commissioner, George Klovkov, I hope I'm saying that correctly, about holding a board meeting. In other words, the two schools saying, hey, we're kind of in a mess. You can't hold a board meeting and hold massive decisions about the Pac-12 conference moving forward with a bunch of schools that's not going to be here next year. So Oregon State, Washington State filed this temporary restraining order. And then just the other day, a judge in Washington granted that stay so that they still cannot hold a board meeting. Now, granted, the other 
10 schools are going to file appeals. But there's two things at play here. So the biggest thing that Oregon State and Washington State did not want to happen was if the commissioner held a board meeting, which, of course, you have the presidents of each school in the Pac-12 currently, which is all 12 schools, meeting to discuss about the future of the conference. They did not want the Pac-12 board meeting to come to a vote as to whether to dissolve the conference next year because, well, there's only going to be two teams. So for Oregon State and Washington State, they're saying, hey, you guys are not going to be here next year. You can't make such a vote or you can't allow this to come to the table and come to a vote, right? That's the Oregon State, Washington State side. The other 10 schools, their biggest fear is that as this decision stands now where Oregon State and Washington State now have control over the conference board of directors, they don't want those two schools to suddenly tell them, hey, you guys are bailing. So whatever revenues that is due to come to the conference for this academic year, 23 to 24, TV revenue, whatever, all that stuff, we're going to cut you out of it. So both of them have so-called this element of common sense, and neither side wants to allow the other the opportunity to be, for lack of a better word, a jerk. They are each saying these things like, no, we're not going to do that to you guys. We're not going to, you know, you 10 schools, we're not going to cut you out of the revenue for this year as members of the conference this year. We're going to work and figure this out you know, professionally and in good faith. Of course, the 10 schools are thinking, no, you're not. And then Oregon State and Washington State are like, we're not going to allow you to go to a vote and possibly dissolve the conference just because 10 of you guys are leaving. What about us? And of course, the 10 schools are saying, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't put that to a vote. We wouldn't dissolve the conference just because we're leaving. But, you know, neither, you can obviously tell neither side trusts the other in terms of these massively big decisions, dissolving of the conference or the split of the revenue as is appropriate, you know, for this year. And then there is precedence that the fact that Oregon State and Washington State are saying, hey, USC and UCLA, they made their decision two years ago. So we already have precedence that when they decided to leave, they could not be involved in decisions related to the future of the conference after that, after this year because they weren't going to be here. So a lot of it are the eight other schools who made the decision this year that they're going to dig out. So they're saying, hey, we already kind of did this because USC and UCLA were leaving. Now that you guys are leaving, we can't have your cake and eat it too. You know, we got to keep the same kind of standing. And, and granted, I mean, a lot of this stuff is your interpretation of your league bylaws and stuff and I don't have that and nor do I want to read the 322 pages that are involved with that but you know the common sense element neither sides trust the other but as it stands now you know to me I can see both sides no way should Oregon State and Washington State have the conference dissolved by a decision made by a 10 school majority just because they're digging out and neither should those 10 schools be cut out of any revenue for this year when they are still a part of the conference. Now, my my guess is that the cooler heads will prevail. They will come to an appropriately professional decision. Next year, the 10 schools are gone, and they could care less about the Pac-12. Oregon State and Washington State will still have the conference intact, 
but then they'll have the issue of, are we still a conference? What do we do? But it'll come to that, and it'll come to that level, I believe, and this is all a bunch of, you know, tugging and pulling and just to get, you know, their voices heard. But so far, the winner is Oregon State and Washington State. And again, the shame of it all, the shame of it all, this has been one of the best Pac-12 football seasons in a long time. Washington, Oregon, Oregon State, I mean, Utah, Arizona, I mean, USC at one point, they've dropped out, but you had so more teams in the top 25 at one time within a season from one conference from the Pac-12 than you've had in a long time. And so it's unfortunate. Top quarterbacks, talk about the stars that are going to be NFL bound after this season. Talent, team performance, one of the best, and that that is the last we'll see it. Maybe it's a, a great hurrah for the conference to say on our final season together, our football playing has kicked butt. Wee wee. But you know, I'm I'm still disappointed that it will no longer be what it once was. All right, let's take a timeout. We come back. We're going to talk a little University of Hawaii defense. Dig deep into it with Keani Alapa, former linebacker for the Rainbow Warriors back in the early 2000s. We'll come right back. This is Dave Kawada filling in for Kanoalea. This is Let's Talk Sports on ESPN Honolulu. Catch UH and NFL football at 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar at Leeward Bowl. They're open at 6 a.m. Sunday, showing all the NFL games. For Monday and Thursday night football, enjoy happy hour poo-poo from 4 to 7 p.m. daily. For Hawaii football games, they'll have awesome menu specials. 850 is the home of the new video wall and the place for UH college and NFL football. Speaking of college football, speaking of UH football, their defense has really risen to the challenge and performed really well over the past two games, including that big upset over Air Force on Saturday. So I want to take a deeper dive a little bit into defense. We talk about offense all the time. Let's get to the defense, the guys that really work, that put on the hits. And joining me right now is former University of Hawaii football Rainbow Warrior, played in the early 2000s, former linebacker Kamehameha Warrior graduate Keani Alapa joining us. Hey, Keani, how's it going? Hey, how's it, Dave? Hey, thanks for coming on. And I, I, before I forget, now I believe you're in you're on the island of Maui now, and with your job as an attorney, you've been going back and forth there related to the situation out there in Lahaina. You know, we see, I see stuff on the news, and you can see the devastation, but it's totally different when you're there. What's the visual when you're there? Uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty devastating, as you can imagine. Um, but, but, you know, one thing that I've been pretty impressed with is the community um, involvement. I mean, the people out here really care. Um, this means something to them. Uh, and they're out there helping each other. It's been really impressive. And, you know, we've been out here um, back and forth uh, since the beginning. And I first started coming out with the ILWU uh, and their uh, uh, president, uh, Chris West, and their team. And they lost their members lost a lot. I mean, a lot. And so they came out here for support and to help with benefits and to help them with the steps on, you know, pursuing those benefits. So um, we've been helping them out. Um, and later on, my law firm, have, we started representing some of the families who lost. So 
Um, it's pretty. It's, it's it's really devastating. I mean, it, it's worse than you know probably anybody can imagine. But a bright spot is the community out here is amazing. They're they're just truly amazing. No, that's that's great to hear and. And thank you for the ILWU and all the work that you and they have been doing for all of the members. And like anything else, right, the pandemic, you never went through this before. The, Lahaina has never gone through something like this catastrophic before. So it's just, you know, unprecedented territory. So I appreciate all the work that you and so many other people that have had to jump in and help out people. So it's good to hear the community is really banding together. And speaking of banding together... University of Hawaii defense, before we even get to the, the past two games, right? Now, you, you've been a linebacker. You played at University of Hawaii. We talk so much about, we have been, about how, you know, the run-and-shoot offense, it takes time. There's a process, you know, to get everyone on page. But that, would, wouldn't it also affect defense? I mean, defenses are complex. It takes time. Wouldn't you say that the process to get everyone to learn a defensive system can also be kind of methodic at times too? Wouldn't you say? Um, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I think that's a kind of complex question. Um, I think number one, uh, adjusting your defense to the run and shoot is is a unique thing. Um, the run and shoot, especially, you know, we all came under June Jones. When June Jones' offense has the ball more than more than the other team, we win. And so the defense that, to me, best fits that type of style of offense is going to be one that's aggressive, that plays downhill, and that creates turnovers. Hey, you're going to bend, but if you don't break, then you should win games. Because if you can get the turnovers, get the ball into the offense's hands, you're likely going to win games. Um, and the other part of that, to me, and my philosophy and, and what we kind of learned uh, growing up and playing in Hawaii and playing at the University of Hawaii, I think you keep it simple. You keep it simple, and you become experts at the fundamentals of defense. You uh, play downhill. You play aggressive. You play with a mentality. Um, you know, like uh, you know, Coach Chris Brown says, you know, an animal mentality, the lion's den. When you play with that type of mindset, and you play simple, and you play um, based on your fundamentals, I think that's where you start. And, you know, for, for, for a linebacker, it's reactionary. You, the faster and quicker you can react, the better you play. A split second or a half step in the wrong direction means everything on defense. It gives angles to the offense. So if you can react quickly, if you have less on your mind and you're allowed to play with your instincts, I think that's how you start a defense. That's what you base it on. You become experts at the fundamentals. Then you can grow from there. And what I saw this week and, and the, uh, the week before, it seemed like they're playing within their fundamentals. They be, they're becoming experts in the fundamentals. They're playing aggressive. They're coming downhill. They're creating turnovers. Be, be good at that. And then you can, you can you know, throw in the wrinkles later um, as you, you know, uh, get better at the fundamentals. But... I thought they were so excellent this, these last two games of the fundamentals. They came downhill. They're aggressive. They created turnovers. That kind of defense with a run and shoot, I think that works. And by the way, Keanu Alapa joining us, former linebacker, University of Hawaii in the early 2000s. 2000. 2000 to 2004, right, when you played? Yeah, I actually came in uh 99, that turnaround year with um, June Jones' first class, and I ended uh, in 2003. My last game was the big scuffle. Uh, against Houston in the bowl game, and 
And just for the record, they started it. They tried to walk away. <laughs> but that was my last game uh, with UH. Did you, did you get some swings in there, though? I mean, you know, I mean, heck. I, I got to check the statute of limitations date before I answer that, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I forgot. You're, a, you're an attorney. You know all those rules. You, you know, um, and, and you mentioned these, these key words. You said play downhill, be aggressive, create turnovers. And one of the things I've been hearing on talk shows on this station is that a lot of the fans calling in and even the host mentioning that it looked like the Hawaii defenses of old, whether you go back to the Tomi years, the Wagner, and obviously even the June Joan years, defenses were, were you know, a lot of blitzing, aggressive um, turnovers were being created. It was exciting. You had, you know, a lot more hard impact. And it seems like these last two games, people are saying, it looks like that. Like Hawaii, that's the way Hawaii defenses should be. And I guess you see that as well. Yeah, and I, I, I feel that. Um, I feel the same thing. Um, I, I saw that old-school mentality. And, and as, you know, before my time, those defenses at the University of Hawaii were amazing. I mean, I love watching them. Uh, and, and that's when, to me, UH was a, um, defense was a star. I mean, those guys were hard-nosed, and you couldn't, you know, move an inch on some of those defenses. And, you know, when we came, you know, we had playmakers. We had, you know, some of my teammates, like Pisa, Tinoi, Samoa. Uh, Coach CB, Travis LaBoy, I mean, Isaac Sapuanga, I mean, these guys were playmakers. So, hey, we bent a little bit, but somebody was going to make a play. And, and we played, I don't think we are as stout as some of those other teams mm-hmm. on a play-by-play basis, but we made bigger plays, I thought. And, and but we played, I think we both played with the same mentality. And, you know, I, I, I had the privilege of playing alongside uh, two pretty amazing players, um, and the first guy was Jeff Albrecht when I first mm. came in. Mm-hmm. And it was like playing with a coach on the field and in the locker room. I mean, that guy knew how to uh, send a message, knew how to inspire his teammates to play as best as they could. And, and you see how successful he is today. You just knew he was going to be a successful coach. He's running one of the best defenses in the NFL with the Jets. Um, and, so, and he knew it from day one. And, and he brought that mentality, that old-school mentality that we saw from UH in his, uh, the last two games. And then when Jeff left, Coach CB took over. And, and he was very similar to Jeff. And he had that mentality in the locker room. He inspired his teammates. He made us play as, you know, as, as best as we could. And, and I'm so glad he's on that staff because he brings that mentality, and I see it through his linebackers. And he has really some really talented linebackers are really uh, playing well. You know, you know, one of them got hurt, right, Logan? Yeah. I mean, that guy was doing amazing. Um, so it, it's, I, I, I agree. You know, I see the old school mentality, and, and I'm so happy that we have one of our old school guys, Coach CB, over there, you know, sharing, you know, the history and, and you know, what it means to play defense at UH. Re- let's reminisce. Oh, actually, before that. You know, you mentioned CB, you mentioned um, Jeff Ulbrich, studs at linebacker, and that personality and that character that they brought in terms of the leadership. And I always thought, you know, we haven't talked as much, maybe, or me, but, you know, when Logan Taylor went down, I thought he, not as big, obviously, but he had kind of those characteristics, right? He was the leader of the defense. He was exuberant. He was aggressive and you watch him at practice he would get in in whoever's face mask and say you know you got to get you got to put it all on the on the line when he went down 
is was there more of an impact and transition? Because if not anyone can just step into that, right? No one can just be the next CB or the next Jeff Albrecht. So do you think that that kind of kind of took the wheels off a little bit of the defense in terms of the progress? And maybe now they finally figured that out and now they're performing the way they are now. You know, as, a, as an outsider looking in, um, I think absolutely. I think absolutely. I mean, for any great team and anyone who's played on, on, on a team like that, um, the, the, the strength of the team comes from within. The coaches only can do so much. Um, you know, the outsiders only can do so much. When you're on the field, it's just you and your teammates. And you need to have that leader, uh, that coach on the field, uh, to become a great team. And, and Logan looked like that guy, I mean, in every respect. And I think he was their coach CB or Jeff Albrecht. And going and losing someone with not only great play, but also that leadership quality, that's tough to get over. That's tough to get over. And it, and it seems like hey, it took a while to click, but it looks like it's clicking now. Yeah, it is. And we're hoping it's going to click in Wyoming when it's going to be, what, potentially 40 degrees. What was the coldest weather you ever played in? Um, you know, kid, the one, you know, I don't know temperature-wise what was the coldest, but so my, my um, freshman year, I was playing against TCU at, um, at, you know, in Texas, um, and it was, it was raining, so it wasn't cold enough uh, for snow, but the wind was pretty strong, uh, and it was right near freezing, so it was <laughs> cold water. And that's the game I blew out my knee. Oh. I was playing against Ladanian Thomason and uh, Nate Jackson intercepts the ball. I'm trying to block somebody, and I get, you know, speared. So I blow up my knee, and I'm laying in the rain. Um, the wind is blowing. I'm freezing my butt off. <laughs> that, that's the coldest I ever felt. So that, that probably would be the coldest game that I can recall. Cold, wet, and in pain. That can't be a worse situation, right? <laughs> and on the plane back uh, straight to surgery. So that was uh, – that was an experience. Oh, my goodness. Hey, thanks so much for joining us, especially from Maui, and also giving us that perspective on how Lahaina is and the community there. So really appreciate taking the time, Kiani. Thanks for joining us. Anytime, Dave. Take care. All right. Kiani Alapa, linebacker from 99 to 2003, who overcame cold, wet, freezing rain and a knee injury to become one of the great linebackers for University of Hawaii. We'll take a timeout, come back, and we're going to give you a rundown with Eric Matthews, marketing director of athletics, of all this stuff that's going to be happening next week. This is ESPN Honolulu. Upgrade your island style with Kahala, the original Aloha shirt since 1936. Pick one up for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores island-wide or at kahala.com. Well, our next guest always has island style flowing through his veins because he comes from Kentucky. It's the marketing director from University of Hawaii Athletics Department, Eric Matthews. Eric, thanks for coming on. Mr. President, it is the first time I've been on ESPN Honolulu and I've not been referred to as Captain Fun, so that's different. <laughs> that is so awesome, Mr. Director. So... I teased early on in the in the hour that there's going to be a lot of stuff happening uh, pretty much starting from tomorrow on in terms of consecutive days of things. And I was going to be smart, right? So I said, I'm going to write, you know, write all this down on paper. I'm going to color code each different event so I know which one is for women's volleyball, which is vo basketball. And then I ran out of, I came up with like eight different colors and I ran out. I needed another box of Crayolas to kind of itemize everything. But 
why don't we just go through the rundown of what's going to be coming up down at Lower Campus? I mean, hopefully we'll have more than an hour and a half to cover all this because <laughs> there's going to be a lot we're going to do, um, which this is, in a lot of ways, it's, unpre- it's unprecedented, unprecedented in college athletics. We're hosting 28 events in 11 days altogether. When you count in the our, what we really have scheduled with men's basketball, women's basketball, women's volleyball, you add in the Maui Invitational, then you add in football, then you add in high school football, it comes out to 28 events in 11 days. So let's start at the beginning. This Thursday, just add a week ago, men's basketball takes on Niagara, and we're going to have UH Student Appreciation Night. This came out of nowhere for us, and we had very little time to plan and everything else, but you know what? We need to give some love to our UH students and like let them know how much we appreciate them being there and them being involved in what we do. So we're going to be having some fun with some students on Thursday night when men's basketball takes on Niagara. Then we move on to the weekend. Beginning at noon, Bank of Hawaii Classic for women's basketball. Uh, that tournament is going to have UH going up against San Francisco at 2.30 on Friday, and they'll have another game at 2.30 on Sunday. A lot of stuff going on there. That is uh, a lot of stuff we're going to be giving away. So uh, if you have not gone to a women's basketball game yet in the last couple of years when they've gone through their run with Coach Beeman, be there when you can on Friday and Sunday. We're going to be giving away some cool stuff, and we're going to be having some fun with women's basketball and doing that. It's a huge weekend for women's volleyball beginning on Friday. Did we just lose Eric? Oh, oh, Eric, if you can hear me, we're going to call you back. You, just before you said women's vas- volleyball, he gave the women's basketball. So we're still on this weekend, Friday. We haven't even gone to the Sunday yet. So we're going to try and reconnect with Eric as we lost connection. He was mentioning, so Friday, this Friday, women's basketball, Bank of Hawaii Classic. First game is at 12 noon, Idaho, Cal State, Fullerton. Hawaii plays at 2.30 against San Francisco. And then Friday night, 7 p.m., Wahine Volleyball against UC San Diego. And then Saturday night, is Wahine Volleyball Senior Night against Long Beach State. Those two volleyball matches for Wahine Volleyball, critical because they're working into the seedings of what will be the Big West Conference Tournament going on. So, Eric, I think we got you back. Now, you got cut off. Not you got, but we kind of lost connection right after you said about the Bank of Hawaii Classic, and you're about to mention the 7 p.m. Friday Wahine Volleyball game against San Diego. I'm glad we caught back up on that day because apparently we had so much going on myself I couldn't take it either. Um, <laughs> so, let's back to Friday. So, 7 o'clock start gets UC San Diego. That is military night for women's volleyball. And I, I didn't get across with this before. For active or retired military Eric, um, I think you're in a dead zone. You sound like you're underwater. Are you in an enclosed room? I am in a library. And you're talking that loud? <laughs> I'm, I'm in a, like a, I'm in a different room. Okay, you sound a little bit better now. Yeah. All right, I'm next to a window now, so apologize, Mr. Director. Sure thing. Or Mr. President, excuse yeah. me. Um, but, okay, so let's get back to women's volleyball. So 50% off uh, tickets for military personnel, active or retired. Um, all you got to do is show your military ID at the ticket window when you buy tickets or 
when you order on eTicketHawaii.com, you'll select on their military discount. And then when you go pick up tickets at Will Call, you show your military ID, 50% off tickets for all military, retired, or active for Friday. Then we go on to Saturday, which actually is a good little lead-in because you mentioned Kahala right before we could jump on air here. So it is show them your Aloha Senior Night. We're, we are trying to start this tradition where whenever we have a senior night, we want everyone there decked out in their best aloha. Like, wear your aloha shirt, wear your best aloha dress, like, really show the appreciation to the seniors. And I waited till you and I talked today. He always, just when he's about to really give a big one, he, he gets cut off. And I think it's because he's inside. Like, oh, there you go. Okay. Sorry, we lost you for a moment. Boy, I really need to stop calling you from a library. I think that's the first time I've ever said that in my life. Um, <laughs> you, you, mentioned, you said, bring, wear your aloha because we want to show you aloha for the seniors for Wayne Volleyball on Saturday. Yes. So we're going to post this on social media, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, on Hawaii Athletics. If you comment and like on a post that I'm going to put up here in about 20 minutes at 1 o'clock on the dot, there's going to be a post on there promoting show me your aloha. You comment and like that post, you have a chance to win a shirt, Aloha shirt from Kahala. Ooh. So make sure you take full advantage of that. Spread the word on that. We want to get everybody decked out in their best Aloha gear uh, for Saturday to see these six seniors off in a great way. So that's the weekend coming up. You look at next week, that's when everything gets even more crazy with uh, the Maui Invitational. Uh, for three straight days, not to mention on Tuesday, there is the men's basketball game that night. It's a late tip-off at 8.30 against Northern Arizona. That's going to be a fun night. We're expecting a fun crowd for then. And then we go into our next women's basketball tournament, the Rainbow Wahine Showdown, that goes Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Doubleheader action there, where UH is hosting Idaho State, Air Force, and Washington. And that's going to be a fun tournament. That's going to really put them to the test. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. Um, we're hosting the high school championships at Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics Complex on Friday of next week. And then the following Saturday, it's going to be senior night. Same thing, decked out in your best Aloha gear. Show the, the special group of seniors who have really tried to turn this program around and head in the right direction. Show them your Aloha. Give them appreciation. It's going to be a fun night next Saturday for the last home game of the season. And – we cap everything off with a big matchup with women's basketball hosting Washington on Sunday uh, the following week. And that is a power five school coming in here. And crazy things always happen on that Sunday of that tournament. Dave, you and I have had a front row seat for the last five years. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a fun one. Whew. And then Monday, uh, November 27th, is when we just rest and no one shows up to work. Uh, we probably can't do that. But um, uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm already taking off. I mean, you can, <laughs> you can handle that director's meeting on your own. I will not be there for that one. <laughs> you know, and, and um, the thing about, you mentioned the number of events in 11 days, but th- the fact that there are so- these other outside events that have never been here before, that's another logistical challenge when you have the Maui invitation. I was saying, you know, that's that has never been at the Stan Sheriff Center. That's new. The state football championships on the Friday after Thanksgiving, that's new as well. So trying to put everything together along with our own athletic stuff, that has been, to say to say it's been a challenge, that's a moderate statement in the least. I mean, we're looking forward to it. Don't get me wrong. 
100%. I've watched the Maui Invitational since I was a young guy, you know, running around back in Kentucky and everything else. I'm excited to be a part of the Maui Invitational. I'm excited to be working with the staff. I'm excited to host the high school state championship. But there is a lot going on, and this is a very important thing. It's probably the most important thing I'm going to talk about since you're having me on today is the parking situation. We are going to put out information sometime this afternoon that's going to kind of lay out the parking situation for the next week. For instance, Maui. So classes are going on during the Maui Invitational. So in the Maui Invitational, they're the ones that are overseeing any type of the parking if it's not if it's not interfering with the faculty or students that day. So there's no parking in the lower campus complex for the Maui Invitational on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. It's all going to be shuttle. So go ahead and start making plans for that now. If you've, bought, if you've got tickets and you don't have a parking pass with your tickets that you were that you bought or were subscribed to, there's going to be a shuttle service that's going to be provided for the Maui Invitational to get you from point A to point B to enjoy the games here because of class still being in session for that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So we're going to put out information about that. And then uh, for our women's basketball fans, on the Saturday that we have football, so on November 25th, there will not be parking on lower campus for the women's basketball game like it's Air Force earlier in that day because they're going to be prepared for football and what we're expecting that day. So you kind of have to make plans to park and to walk to the facility and kind of go from there. But all that information and kind of clarifying all of that and what your options are will be coming out later on this afternoon. Yeah, no doubt. So go to hawaiiathletics.com. We'll also be providing information to ESPN Honolulu for them to relay it and reiterate it in the morning, midday, afternoon, because we know parking is going to be something that people always say, wait, what? What? It's different? So we'll do our best to do that. Hey, I know you got a class. You're in a library, so people are looking at you because you've been talking so loud. But Mr. Director, Eric Matthews, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. No problem, Dave. I'm looking forward to having the next uh, 11 days of 20 events. It's going to be a fun time here on campus, a fun time for all of us. And I know you and I will be right in the middle of it, buddy. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Dave. All right. And that was, whew, literally, I ran out of colors when I was trying to color code the different events because, there, what do you say, 22 in 11 days? I didn't count it that way, but that's how it comes out. All right. Let's take our final timeout. And when we come back, we'll wrap things up. I'll give you another no real common sense element about college football after this. This is Let's Talk Sports. Dave Kawada filling in for Kanoa on ESPN Honolulu. Join Cole Mossoff on our YouTube channel or ESPNHonolulu.com for athletes. Brought to you by Central Pacific Bank, Hawaii's Best Bank. Mahalo to Domino's Hawaii for their sponsorship of Let's Talk Sports. Domino's Hawaii has made it a priority to help our community by making it more affordable to feed our families. Order online or via the Domino's app and save up to 20% off on your order or choose from a host of other deals available. Domino's Pizza Hawaii, we deliver aloha. So the traditional ending segment for Let's Talk Sports is your best and worst. So my best is what we just talked about with Eric Matthews, uh, Marketing Director of Universe Y Athletics. All these events coming up in the next 11 days. Yeah, it's hard work, but man, if you're a sports fan, men's basketball, 
women's basketball, women's volleyball, UH. Maui Invitational, the best basketball tournament aside from the Final Four and with a field that is loaded. Kansas, UCLA, Tennessee, Purdue, Gonzaga, Chaminade also in it this year. So, I mean, a good local connection as well. And not to mention, it's here in Honolulu that you can now be a part of it. I mean, you can watch on ESPN if you want, but now you can see these events live. Go to the Maui Invitational 2023 website to get tickets. So, and then football. High school football, open championships on Friday after Thanksgiving. I mean, Thanksgiving is synonymous with football. So we got high school state championship, open division. Hawaii football in their final home game on senior night. So sports fans and then whiny basketball to round things out the weekend of Thanksgiving. So many different sports. That is the best. But here is my worst. College football, if you heard about the most recent, we hear about coaches getting fired, you know, football, basketball, you name it, right? So Jimbo Fisher was just recently fired from Texas A&M. And although not announced yet, but I heard that, uh, and so it, who knows, things might change. But Chip Kelly from UCLA looks like will be not retained after this season. So that's just, you know, don't, that's something out there. So another one. But the big one was Jimbo Fisher. And the worst part of it all is the amount of money these coaches are getting for doing nothing. This is not new. This has always been the case. But when the fact that money just continues to get more and more and more as related to college sports, it just starts to really taint kind of the whole overall aura and environment that's related to college athletics. And we're already, you know, NIL already kind of mess, you know, touches that in terms of the money. I just talked in the opening of the show about how the Pac-12 and that lawsuit and the judge saying that Oregon State, Washington State, you control the Pac-12 because the 10 other schools who are leaving the conference for money can't have control or decision-making over the conference moving forward as it relates to revenue, money. Jimbo Fisher is going to get paid by Texas A&M a $76 million buyout after being fired. Because the way that contract is, there was this money guaranteed. So he's going to get millions for the next several years, he doesn't need to work. Well, he's you know he was probably set even before that. But when you tallied, and he, there was an article in ESPN.com, recent firings and buyouts of college football coaches from last season in through this season so far, with the season not even ending, when he tallied those up, there is 100, let me get this right, $146 million in buyouts that are owed to coaches that have been fired. So last season, from Auburn, Brian Harson was fired. Fired. He's due fifteen and a half million. Scott Frost fired from Nebraska last year. He's due fifteen million. Jeff Collins, Georgia Tech, eleven point four million. Carl Durrell from Colorado, eight point seven million. Herm Edwards, Arizona State, four point four million. And you can add on a few more coaches. Adds up to 146 million, and with Jimbo Fisher and now Chip Kelly potentially coming at the end of the season. The other part is that it's mid-year 
changes, right? Jimbo Fitz, usually you wait till the end of the season. Jimbo Fisher gone mid-year or while the season is in fact. So it brings up the argument, the slight argument that, hey, if you got all this money to suddenly pay these coaches to do nothing, then it brings up the argument about why can't players get more of that pot? Why can't these student athletes get more? Because you got these millions and millions and millions, and especially like it's from public schools. It's not just private institutions, it's public schools as well. So that brings up, raises that argument up to the precipice. The money for coaches has always been kind of like, I can't believe this amount of money is being paid out to coaches, even for when they're signed, but also the amount we now got to pay them after we fired them. And so we're in the hole. Texas A&M is in the hole, and their athletics director is saying, yeah, we need to learn from this. He would have hoped that most schools would have learned a long time ago in terms of how they stipulate the contracts, how much is guaranteed, how much you want, you want to extend the guy for, because a lot of times they never see out the end of the contract. Well, I want to thank Eric Matthews from UH Athletics. I also want to thank Kiani Alapa, former University Hawaii football player, for joining us today. Appreciate your time. Dave Kawada filling in for Let's Talk Sports. Enjoy the next several days. A lot of UH and basketball. Mom Invitational coming up. Enjoy. Come down to HawaiiAthletics.com. Check that for information. Until tomorrow, this is ESPN Honolulu.